0: Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, and another trading week that saw the ups and downs is kind of where our theme has been as of late. But we had a WASDE report that came out towards the end of the week, and then more turmoil globally as not only talking about what's happening in the Black Sea region, but we're also looking at what is happening in Israel as well and how that's having a factor on the markets in-country we're going to take a look at some of the factors you might not think about. And that's how these equity trade is really working its way into the market trade. We'll also focus a little bit on really how the markets have changed. I mean, five years ago, we wouldn't have cared what the stock markets were doing and how it would affect what we saw in our numbers. We've got a lot to look at today. So stick around. More's coming up. Imagine a future fueled by soy based possibilities, a future where creativity and productivity. Live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here welcome back once again, as you can see, we've got Jim McCormick and Brian split joining us this week with AgMarket.net. and gentlemen, always an interesting week when we throw a, a report of some sort from the USDA in and kind of wanted you guys both to give me your highlights on, on what you saw in those WASDE numbers of Thursday.
1: Yes, I'll start. Um, you know, the USDA has quite a bit of demand on the corn balance sheet uh, extra year over year, Uh, And and those numbers have trimmed down over the last couple of months. But even with the reductions that we saw this month, which was 25 million bushels out of the feed residual category and then another 25 million bushels out of export, uh, they're still using 571 million bushels of total demand uh, higher year over year. And so uh, that's going to be something the trade continues to focus on. Uh, So even if the USDA does reduce production, Uh, They have a lot of demand that they can continue to chip away at to offset those production declines. And uh, they did the same thing on on the soybean balance sheet, reduced uh, the exports by 35 million bushels there. They did increase crush by 10 million. Crush will likely be a a continued bright spot for the soybean market as far as demand in general, especially with additional plants coming online over the next several years. Uh, But uh, both of those markets have... Uh, a, an export pace right now that is just behind where we should be seasonally. Our commitments, uh, especially on the beans, are not where we should be for this time of year. Uh, a lot of times you'll see the export commitments for corn really increase later in the marketing year. But this is, this should be the strong time for
2: soybeans, and it just hasn't appeared quite yet.
0: Any surprises, Jim, or or what you expected to see in those numbers?
2: Well, I think in general, Susan, I think the way the market reacted might have been the biggest surprise. I mean, when you look at the the beans being up 40, 45 cents at one time on the trade backed off a little bit for a carryout that was essentially unchanged at 220 million, only about 13 million less than what the trade was guessing, we showed a pretty violent reaction to it, which tells me that the market is very, very skittish about what's what's down the line. And I think uh you know they got caught a little bit flat-footed. There is a historical bias now that both these corn and beans yields have been reduced in October. The history would argue that they will get a little bit smaller down the line in November. We don't get any revisions in December, then we'll get that final number in January. So uh, there might be some bullishness to play out there. The other thing we're just looking at is a world bean number. That ending stock number was down about three and a half four million less. What the traders thinking? So it gave us a bullish surprise, but the reality is the world numbers are still about 15 million metric tons bigger than the year before at the projections now. But that could change dramatically depending on how South America plays, because the big production numbers that they're plugging in for South America are all what ifs doing the fact they're just starting the planning right now.
0: What are you hearing weather wise out of South America at this point?
1: Well, I, I think uh, you've got half the country is is very wet. Uh, We've got another half the country is experiencing dry conditions and concerns about drought. Um, So thus far, the overall planting pace uh, is not causing alarm. But uh, generally, when you get about halfway through October, the South American weather, the planting pace is going to become center stage. And over the next several months, uh, the trade is going to be highly, highly focused on how weather patterns uh, evolve in South America. Now, Argentina had a, a rather catastrophic drought last year that really impacted their soybean production. Argentina is uh, uh, exports about 40% of the world's uh, meal needs. And so they still haven't had enough moisture to fix that drought. Uh, and that's gonna be something that we're gonna be looking at again, moving forward over the next several months, because uh, that's another part of that balance sheet on the world level is the expectation that Argentina is going to see a, a normal crop this year. Uh, and if they have another year of, of concerns with drought, and on major yield reductions. As Jim had mentioned, uh, that world balance sheet right now that is still uh, projected to be quite a bit higher year over year uh, could see that that buffer uh, really decrease over the next few months.
0: What about the balance sheet um, from a wheat perspective? Uh, Brian, you and I were talking early on on Friday about uh, what's been happening, continuing in the Black Sea region. We know that these farmers are continuing to plant their crops, but there's a lot of wheat out there on the market. Uh, what are you seeing when you look at those global numbers?
1: Well, the concern would be on a world basis, just the amount of wheat that's available uh, from the exporting countries. And uh, that's projected to be down, actually, year over year, which is probably rather frustrating if you're a wheat producer and you're thinking about where values were a year and a half ago. Um, You know, wheat is anywhere between four to five dollars lower than the highs from 2022 Um, and and that was at the peak of the concerns about the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, But Ukraine has proven that they've been able to continue to grow crops, they've been continuing to be able to export the crop, uh, regardless of the fact that we did not renew the the humanitarian corridor. Uh, We have Russia that still has quite a bit of crop that's available to the world. Uh, And not all buyers are going to be willing to buy Russian wheat, but there are some major buyers out there, and and I think China's one of them, that does not have a problem doing business with Russia. Uh, Now, we do have some concerns in some other growing regions. Uh, Australia's production estimates were reduced. Uh, Argentina's wheat production uh, is a concern, again, because of that ongoing drought. Uh, So the wheat market has had a a rather uh, catastrophic decline in values. Uh, Hopefully the reaction from yesterday's report with some of the reversals that we've seen off of new contract lows, for example, in the hard red uh, and and reverse to trade higher on the day at the end of the session, hopefully that goes a a long way into causing a little bit more short covering. Uh, The funds are short wheat, and uh, if there's some stories out there that might cause some concern on their short wheat position, uh, hopefully we can see a, a hard and quick rally to give some producers some opportunity.
0: Jim, do you have any concerns with the unrest that's happening in Israel right now?
2: Well, I think you have to. I mean, right now it's relatively just between two countries, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of rhetoric in the world right now, Susan, that this could expand quite a bit. You know, the reality is if you get, you know, Iranians involved and you for some reason get the Suez Canal shut down, you're going to really squeeze the world's oil supply. You will cause the energy market to rally. Now, I think the snap decision is that may be bullish Commodities, Corn will try to follow the, you know, corn and maybe bean oil will follow the energy market up. But the reality is the world, its economies, the U.S. economy is on the brink. Uh, a lot of signs are showing that, you know, we are stretching the consumer a little bit further you can handle. So if that energy markets would spike due to this spiraling out of control, I fear you're going to actually put us into a recession. So you might get a quick drill higher, but the long term aspects are really kind of negative all the way down the line.
0: Really, the equity trade uh, made for some interesting moves this week as well. Why don't you, gentlemen, to kind of share your thoughts and how that's influencing what we see in our in our grain and livestock complex?
1: I would start by saying the NASDAQ futures uh, this week, as, as recently as yesterday, went and uh, kind of hit the downtrend that the market's been in from the highs. Uh, so kind of a key uh, resistance level down sharply today. Uh, actually mixed overall in the equities. The S&P was lower, but not uh, as as aggressively as the NASDAQ. And a lot of the time today, the Dow is actually higher, kind of bucking the trend. Uh, but the, the, the equity trade in general is gonna be important if there's a, a major event. Um, when you see uh, major liquidation in equities, uh, that can cause liquidation in other markets. And so for some, um, if you have a market where the funds are short, that could actually cause that market to go up a little bit in that period of time as they cover shorts. Uh, in other markets where the trade is long, uh, that will cause them to liquidate longs, causing that market to break. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's concern as we move forward here with the uh, student debt that's going to be repaid. That's an, a new uh, piece of the puzzle here where there's some disposable income that several people have out there that they don't have anymore as they have to start repaying that debt. Uh, there's other signals in the marketplace right now. Our bond auctions have been absolute garbage. Uh, and and so there's other just Interesting macroeconomic developments out there. Now, uh, we haven't seen any kind of a flash crash. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are out there that think it could happen, uh, but they've been calling for that for quite some time, so it's hard to tell if that will actually come to fruition. But if it does, I think the general uh, sentiment from the fund manager is going to be to shoot first, ask questions later, meaning exit positions, get to cash, and then reassess.
0: I find it interesting, too, how you know even as short as five years ago, what happened on the equity side didn't really have such a strong influence. Of what we saw in, in grain and livestock, and it's really changed, and it's become more of one united package uh, versus individual market traits.
2: I think you're right, Susan. I mean, I think a lot of it's just because the way that we trade now, a lot of it's fund driven, a lot of it is computerized driven. They're taking an analog program and they're just attaching it to everything. And the reality is, the funds are trying to chase uh the best return right now, and some of that sometimes may be cash. When you look at the money market. But that's adding a lot of volatility to it. But that's the fund money, money managers essentially trying to uh, chase uh, that, that higher return, plain and simple.
0: Well, we can't wrap up this program and be talking about markets without looking at what happened in the cattle market this week. Midweek, they were on fire. A little bit of a drop on Friday, but still some good momentum going for our cattle feeders.
2: Right now, if you look at it, Susan, it's going to be a tale of two stories. On the supply side, they continue to be very, very tight. They're going to remain tight. That should be somewhat supportive. But you'll get these downdrafts when the market gets a little bit worried about the consumer demand going in, like Brian was saying, about the student debt or if the stock market really wobbles hard. You're going to see people run to the sidelines on the fear that demand is going to shift. But... Right now, I mean, on the bright side, the jobs number we got was phenomenal jobs number. The economy still is going relatively strong. My guess is it will stay somewhat strong through the holiday season. And then we'll see what happens. The Fed's probably not going to want to raise interest rates through the holiday season. They want to see how this is going to play out. And then we get into 2024. That's when you might see uh, more adjustments to the uh, interest rates.
0: Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you joining us real fast. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you guys?
1: Uh, call our general line, 844-4AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. If you want to talk to somebody live, uh, check out our website. We offer a two-week free trial of our intel, so you can see how we think, www.agmarket.net.
0: All right, now as remind folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.